I've listened to Storms of Life by Randy Travis for three years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Hey everybody, welcome back to Spin It, the record-ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music. I'm James, and with me is Connor. Connor, say hi to the people. You haven't forced me to do that in a while. (laughs) I thought we'd bring it back. Hello, people. Apparently, James has only been listening to this for three years. That's kind of insane to me. Yeah, well, I took a class on country music in my senior year of college, and that's where I first learned about Storms of Life, the album. And uh, I decided to put it on the albums of the month shortly after. And the rest is history. I don't want to spoil the episode too much, but... I couldn't tell you when I first heard Randy Travis music. There's some Randy Travis music that's just been ambient in my whole life, right? Forever and ever, amen, and like the, the likes of that. How many songs off of this album would you say you knew before listening to it? Honestly, none. Really? Maybe, maybe I'd heard on the other hand, but... That's probably the only one I had any clue about. I have to say, I've definitely heard at least half of this album before. Really? I guess that's just because, I don't know, I was, older country was what my dad would listen to, and my mother was a fan of it. I guess I've just heard a decent amount of Randy Travis music. Well, good. I figured you might know a little more, you know, the old country type. And I, I know we did country fairly recently with Ingrid Andrus, but she's... Pretty pop country, new country. This is like... Classic country. I It's like the sweet spot of country, in my opinion. You know, you got your Hank Williams that some of his songs, you know, just feel a bit dated and old. Sure. And then you've got, yeah, Ingrid Andrus on the newer end. Yeah, yeah, a bit of uh, the pop, too pop-influenced country. And so you got your, 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 you know, your 70s, your 80s, your 90s, classic country. Yeah, and there are exceptions to all of those, you know, rules that we just set. But yeah, generally, I think this is a pretty sweet spot for country. And I actually, I'll tell you a secret. I picked this album because, in part, I really liked the order of going 1966 with the Beach Boys, 1976 with Stevie Wonder, and 1986 with Randy Travis. So what are we going to do in 1996 next week, then? Well, we're not. (laughs) Oh, well, there goes that trend. I know. Well, it was a fun trend for three episodes. Randy Travis was born Randy Trawick in 1959 in Marshville, North Carolina. Less cool name. Yeah, Trawick's, I guess, a less cool name, but he was born with it. He didn't, you know, he didn't pick it like Randy Travis. Well, he was born less cool. He was born, (laughs) yeah, objectively, Randy Travis has become cooler since birth, yes. He started early, he started playing guitar and singing in church in 1967 when he was just eight years old, but he was actually a little bit of a rough and rowdy child. He had a couple of run-ins with the law after he dropped out of high school. Like, I'm not talking, you know, stealing from the local store. I'm talking like Grand Theft Auto run-ins with the law. He really got into some shenanigans. Some intense shenanigans by the sound of it. But he did manage to straighten things out, kinda. He eventually got a job as a cook at a nightclub where he was able to sing part-time with his brother. They called themselves the, the Trawick brothers. <laughs> it was really not a surprise because that's who they were. Sure, that would have been cool if they called themselves something different. Like a different last name? Some people are like, oh, is that your last name? And they're like, no. No, yeah, like Steely Dan. <laughs> no one in Steely Dan is named Dan. What the heck? Or Steely. Or Steely, yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool. Whatever, that's a tangent we don't need to go down. (laughs) 
Save that tangent for another day. For the Steely Dan episode, yeah. Randy landed his first recorded contract in 1978, and he moved to Nashville in 1982. He continued to put out music, a lot of music, 20 studio albums, in fact, until he had a stroke in 2013, which is really, that was a sad moment for country music. Now, he's been rehabilitating, right? He still makes public appearances, but he generally doesn't sing much anymore. Although, he has made a few guest appearances here and there. You should check out his 2016 performance of Amazing Grace when he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2016. It was very, very moving. People cried hearing him sing because they thought they'd never get to hear his voice again after his stroke. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was a bad stroke. He, like, couldn't, he was, like, couldn't walk, he couldn't talk. He had to have a couple of, yeah, brain surgeries, I believe, to, you know, get things back under control. But, you know, he's been on the mend and Like I said, he's still out making public appearances and stuff. I've actually encountered him a couple of times around town. Really? Yeah. The first time was at CMA Fest. Uh, He was doing a little meet and greet kind of, you know, signing thing. And he goes around with his wife all the time. And so I kind of saw him from a distance then. But shortly after that, I got to serve Randy Travis an order of ribs. Whoa. Uh, Fact. I'm locking that in as a fact. That's a fact. That's true. I worked at a barbecue restaurant around town and, uh... I just had an order of ribs to deliver like normal, and I set it down at the table, and I looked next to me, and it's Randy Travis sitting next to me. Now, are you certain it was Randy Travis and not like a Randy Travis lookalike? No, I'm 100% positive, and I kind of did a double take. Do you ask him? Well, I didn't have to ask him, because I knew. He also, I feel like you can't just ask people if they're Randy Travis. Sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could. Just walk up to strangers on the street. Are you Randy Travis? <laughs> but he was really nice. I, I talked for just the briefest minute with him and his wife because I didn't want to, you know, bother them. They're just out to have a dinner and stuff. But yeah, that was one of my favorite Nashville experiences. I'll tell that story forever. <laughs> but Randy Travis, he's a huge figure, like we've talked about, in the growth and the evolution of country music, right? First and foremost, he sold more than 25 million records. That is no small feat. He's charted with 50 singles, and 16 have made it all the way to number one. Then he's got seven Grammys for Best Male Country Vocal Performance, three Best Country Albums, and more. And uh, the rundown on all the country music stuff he's got, he's got six CMA Awards, 11 ACM Awards, 10 American Music Association Awards, and eight Dove Awards from the Gospel Music Association. And then, of course, like I mentioned, he's a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame as of 2016. Another fun Randy Travis fact that you might not know, he's also had a bit of an acting career, and he's worked alongside great actors like Patrick Swayze and Matt Damon and others. And I bet some of the audience has even seen Randy Travis in a movie, and they might not have even realized it. He is the president of the United States in National Treasure 2. So Randy Travis has been kidnapped by Nick Cage. The real national treasure? Randy Travis is the real national treasure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Ben Gates was too blind to see it. Do you think Ben Gates was like, man, you look a lot like Randy Travis. You, like, do you think Randy Travis existed in the... Oh, do you think Randy Travis is National Treasure canon? I don't know. We'll have to do some research and get back to you on that. Maybe that was, like, the, maybe that was the president's, like, one of his... You know how, like, you know... Part of his campaign was like, yeah, you know, I look like Randy Travis. That was like a fun little thing. But But consider this. Do they ever say the president's name? Because maybe it is Randy Travis as himself in an alternate universe where he became the president. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I need to know. Who is the president in National Treasure? Yeah. Uh, His name is Bruce Greenwood. Okay. Well, that blows my theory out of the water. Oh, well. So apparently Bruce Greenwood just looks like Randy Travis. Or maybe Randy Travis just doesn't exist in the National Treasure 
universe, in which case that universe is missing, like I said, a real national treasure. Yeah, yeah, also a possibility. It's the the birth of Randy Travis is the flashpoint that set the events in motion uh, in National Treasure 2. <laughs> you either got Randy Travis and you ended up in this timeline, or you didn't and you ended up in the National Treasure 2 timeline. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> whatever. That's just another piece of the Randy Travis cinematic universe. So, Storms of Life is the album we're talking about this week. We're doing a lot of life-themed albums. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, Songs in the Key of Life, Storms of Life. What's next? It's not a life album. We're breaking the trend again. Oh, man, this week's going to be a real trend breaker. Next week is, yes. Uh, But Storms of Life is Travis's debut studio album, the very first one. And it's got a very, very strong mid-century, mid-late century country feel. I think I came up with the name for Connor's Hippin' and Hoppin' album officially. Yeah. Oh. Hips and hops of life. Hips and hops of life. Yeah, I like it. Honestly, not bad. Hips and hops of life. It could be worse, I guess. When I say not bad, that's really what I mean. I just mean it could be worse. Not that it's good, just that it's not bad. This album made a huge splash on its release. On the other hand, actually was released twice, and it peaked at number one on the Billboard Country Charts. The song 1982 also broke into the top ten, way back when they were just singles, before this album was around. And then, when the full album came out, Digging Up Bones hit number one, and No Place Like Home peaked at number two as well. The record, as a whole, peaked at number one on the country charts, and 85 on the U.S. Billboard 200. Within six years, by 1992, the album went triple platinum for three million copies sold in the United States. States. And of course, springboarded by the success of this album, Randy Travis was inducted into the Grand Ole Opry in 1986. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not our first Grand Ole Opry member, but currently our most recent one. Storms of Life is also the first time Travis worked with longtime producer Kyle Lenning who went on to work on a lot of Travis's other records. Now, he wasn't the songwriter for most of this album either. He only wrote two of them himself, Send My Body and Reasons I Cheat. We'll get into some of the other songwriters in a little bit, but suffice it to say for now, this album is not going to get a bonus point for him writing all the songs. We've only had a couple of those. Yeah, it's a rare occurrence. But I think that's a good amount of background about the album and the artist, so you know what time it is. Is it snack time? Okay, yeah, yeah, let's take a snack break. All right, welcome back from the snack break. Hope you had a good snack break, audience. Uh, I think it's time to get into some fact or spin. That's right. Yeah, that's it's fact or spin time. That's kind of what I was going for before. Well, I'm glad I got snack break. I was a little hungry. Well, I'm glad we could knock that out of the park for you. Get the mixtaper in here. He's had enough time to snack. Tell him to bring me his best Randy Travis facts. Oh, I got him. Hey, it's me, the mixtaper. Uh, hi. Hi, mixtaper. I didn't get snack break. No, but the whole rest of the episode is kind of your snack break. We were all out of pumpernickel bread. Is that all you eat? For a snack, it's a good, it's a good healthy snack. I don't know if it's healthy or not, actually, but I called it healthy snack, so it is. You're just carbo-loading. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, it's bulk season. Bulk season for the mixtaper. Every every February, he starts bulking up. Just in case, you never know what you'll need it for. Now, I, I need to point out, to the audience and maybe to you you've told 10 straight facts who's to say i won't tell four more straight facts i don't know this is the mind game i've set in motion (laughs) i know yeah i guess i'll never know anymore but uh maybe this episode will break that trend too let's find out all right well let's just start with our first fact okay all right number one what do we got he narrated a short about cows that type a short about 
cows that type? Yep. All uh, right. Animated cows, right? Yeah. What are the cows typing? Uh, to their farmer. Oh, they're writing a letter. Okay. It's the short is called click clack moo cows that type click clack moo cows that type that's a great title why were the cows writing to the farmer did they have complaints or demands or like did they just want to say hi i don't know i haven't seen it oh okay we should definitely have a spin it movie night and watch it though sure how old is this cow short uh it came out in 2001 okay what was its purpose? To educate or to entertain or, I mean, what? I mean, just entertain. I don't know. It's a, a little short. Okay, fair point. Nine minutes long. How did he land this gig? Did did people approach him and say, we want Randy Travis specifically? Did he seek them out and say, I would love to talk about literate cows? I mean, what happened? I choose to believe it was the latter. Yeah. The short has had multiple spinoffs, such as Click Clack Peep, Click Clack Ho Ho Ho, and Click Clack Moo Christmas at the Farm. Okay, as good as a uh, name Click Clack Moo is. Like, that's fine. Click Clack Ho 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 is where I draw the line. <laughs> okay? That's too far. But yeah, uh, Click Clack Moo Christmas at the Farm stars Pete Davidson, Patton Oswald, and Jim Cummings and more. What? Pete? No. Oh, that got way intense really fast. I was just about to say, are all the other ones the same thing? Like animals typing or I guess Santa Claus typing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All I know is that it all started with Click Clack Moo and Randy Travis. Do you have any uh, particular quotes that you've found that you'd like to share? No, because I haven't seen it. I just, I didn't know if you had read about it or if it said. I didn't want to spoil anything about it for me before it's been a movie night. That's really helpful when I'm trying to figure out more information. <laughs> I'm going to say I can't. I guess this is true. Was this very popular? Did a lot of people see this? Got a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. I've seen movies that are worse. Okay, I'm I'm sticking with fact. Lock it in. Oh, you think this is a fact? You think I'm sticking with the trend? Yeah, sure. I don't think you're doing it because of the trend, but I choose to believe this, I suppose. This is a true fact. Hey, <laughs> click clack booyah. <laughs> click clack booyah. I should have said click clack true. That's how I should have locked it in. Man, hindsight's twenty twenty. Oh, well. So that's part of Randy Travis's acting career. Yeah, I went deep diving through Randy Travis's acting career and found Click Clack Moo, which then led me to Click Clack Moo Christmas at the Farm. And again, like I said, it's got Pete Davidson, Patton Oswalt, Jim Cummings, uh, Keith Ferguson, Tom Kenny, uh, Rachel Bloom. It's just a huge cast for some reason. When did when did that one come out? 2017. Oh, wow. What a long-running franchise. But it only has a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb, so not as good as... Randy Travis. No, because he's a national treasure. Two. He's a national treasure, too. All right, fact one, check mark. Uh, what, what do we have for fact number two? Fact number two. Fact number two, he became an actor because of a hallucination. Okay, interesting. Uh, what did he hallucinate? Himself in a movie. Oh, what was the movie about? Was it a film adaptation of Click Clack Moo? <laughs> Randy Travis saw the future. <laughs> Well, that's why he approached them and said, I want to make this. It's because it was the vision. He hallucinated himself being in the movie Jaws. Jaws? Oh, man. Was he the shark? I choose to believe that. Does, uh, if you choose to believe it, that means you probably don't have a real answer then. Correct. Was he like, did he dream it? You say hallucination. It makes me think it's not a dream. Was he awake yeah. and sober? Uh, nope. <laughs> Go on. In 1975, when he was 16, he and his brother got drunk and high together, and he had this hallucination. When he was 16? Yep. When did Jaws come out? No way. Uh, Jaws came out June 20th, 1975. Okay. Uh, timeline checks out. I was skeptical. I honestly, 
I might have assumed Jaws was a little later than that. Really? Yeah, I've never really seen it all the way through. Added to the spin of movie night, I guess. So he wasn't already a singer. Why did he decide to pursue singing instead of acting at that point? Good question. All I know is that in an interview in 2001 for the movie Texas Ranger, uh, he brought up this incident as the first time he ever considered a career in acting. I think this fact is false. I think this is a spin. Go with a spin. Think I'm finally breaking the trend. I think you're finally breaking the trend. And I can't put my finger on exactly why, other than I had a hallucination last night that I was going to be in a fact about the movie Jaws. (laughs) (laughs) And it would be spins. So I'm going to call it a spin. I think it's some Jaws bias coming in. I think you're still not willing to accept Jaws came out in 1975. I believe that. I really don't have any problem with that. My Jaws are unbiased when they say spin. <laughs> this is a spin. Made it up. I broke the streak at the right time. I hate it when you don't have good reasoning for why you choose spin. It's like, I feel like it should have got you because you had no reason for it not to get you. I just, I just don't know. That just doesn't seem like his style. It was during his trial teenage years well sure yeah did you pull this fact from anywhere or did you just totally make it up no i just completely made it up you'd have to be like really drunk to hallucinate being in jaws i think well that's why i also put uh put drugs involved you know drugs and alcohol plus jaws had just came out so it would have been a popular movie i pretended like i didn't know when it came out to make you think it was a little more credible well that didn't work yeah yeah all right all right two for two i'm wow on a roll right now uh let's uh let's let it ride. Fact number three. He has a collection of typewriters. Click, clack, moo all over again. <laughs> yep, we're back. We're click, clack, back. Click, clack, back. Okay, so typewriters is an interesting collection to have. Um, I guess my first thought is why? He likes the feel of them. Okay, so you're talking about like typing on it. He doesn't like just you know, rub the sides of it. He just likes the feel of typing on a typewriter. He likes that they're manly, hefty machines, and he loves that they work the same they worked back in 1938. I mean, sure. It's quite a way to describe a typewriter, I guess. Manly and hefty. All right. How many does he have in his typewriter collection? Over 100. Whoa, where does he keep all those? Yeah, I assume in some sort of room. Most people have a collection probably display it. Thank you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yes, he keeps his typewriters in a room. Don't you dare call me Captain Obvious. I'm the mixtaper. Captain Obvious is good friends with Captain Spin. Okay, yeah, co-captains. Great. Keeps his typewriters in a room somewhere. When did he get his first? Uh, don't know. What's his favorite? Uh, don't know. Has he ever written anything on them? Yes, he likes to write poems on them. Okay. Over a hundred. That's, that's... A lot. A big number. He works with Old Bob's Old Typewriters in Tioga, Texas, who repair and sell antique typewriters. Oh, a specific place. In Texas, how'd he find them? He used to live in Tioga, Texas. After his divorce. Mm, This sounds like another spin to me. All right, what's your reasoning? A hundred typewriters is a lot of typewriters. And uh, I just don't see it. I just don't see Randy Travis collecting typewriters, whether he likes to write poetry or not. I just, I just can't get behind it all the way i think i'm gonna say spin again this is a spin oh heck yeah click clack uh i don't have another click clack (laughs) this fact is a true fact just not about randy travis this fact belongs to tom hanks oh i did know that tom hanks collected typewriters yep because i know that somebody like a, a post went around the internet that somebody sent him one and he wrote on it a personal reply back yeah he tom hanks has over 100 typewriters and works with some typewriter shop in new york the hefty manly machines and everything that's a tom hanks quote yep the quote that's a tom hanks quote i thought it sounded a little bit like woody when you read it but i didn't want to say it <laughs> okay whatever <laughs> now one more Classic four. Classic four. Click clack four. No. Uh, he once got stuck in a snowman costume. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought I'd end on a, on a highlight here. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, like the zipper got stuck and he couldn't get out? No, like he got wedged. Wedged? Why was he a snowman, first of all? For Charlie Pride's annual Christmas party. Oh, I love Charlie Pride. So does Randy Travis. They were good friends. Nice. Fun fact, Charlie Pride was the first person to tell Randy Travis that he could find a home in Nashville. And Randy Travis says Charlie Pride changed his soul. Okay, yeah, I, I do believe that. Uh, if that was the fact, I'd lock it in right now. I need to know a little bit more. So he successfully got into the snowman costume and then ran around in it for the party and then just couldn't get out? Uh, well, he he got out just fine. It was more the snowman costume got stuck and he was in it. Oh, the question was phrased that he got stuck in a snowman costume. I thought you meant he couldn't get out of it. You meant he tried to go through an area that was too small for how big he was in the costume. Correct. Where'd he get stuck? Going through a, a narrow door or something? What happened? Yeah, through the through the door the door frame at the bathroom. The bathroom. Oh no! What an embarrassing place to get stuck as a snowman. How did he get into the bathroom? Or what? Like, was he going in? No, he was going in and got stuck in the door frame. Okay, yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, how'd they get him out? They shoved him. Shoved him. They shoved him into the bathroom where I I presume he took off the costume and then. Oh, I would hope so. If not, he probably got. <laughs> Stuck coming back out. Got stuck on the way out. <laughs> Had to yank him. How big was this costume? I mean, it was, I assume, pretty decent size. And if, if this is a true fact, will you share a picture? If it's a true fact, I will share a picture. Not of him stuck, but of him in the costume. Right. <laughs> Randy's stuck. Click, click. Yeah, I, I think this is a true fact. I think you went... Is it a true fact? Fact, spin, spin, fact this weekend. This is... A spin! Oh, man! No oh, perfect no. week for you, and no picture, because it's not true. <laughs> that sucks. I really was hoping to see Randy Travis as a snowman. I mean, we could Photoshop that pretty easily if you really want to see it. Fair point. So, the Charlie Pride stuff was all correct. Uh, he, yeah, he's friends with Charlie Pride. He, his, he actually said the Charlie Pride's annual Christmas party was his favorite event of the year. I do believe that. Keep an eye out for the Charlie Pride episode coming sometime soon. Eventually. Well, I guess I'll see you next week. Yep, I will see you next time on another round of Fact or Spin. That was an interesting one. Welcome back, Connor. Hey, I just had a second snack break during Fact or Spin. What did I miss? Oh, uh, you missed Fact or Spin. Oh, how did you do? I did. I went three for four. So I've done worse, but I've done better. Let's talk about the album cover, and then we could get into these 10 tracks. Way less tracks this week than last week. <laughs> Stevie Wonder, less than half, I know. It's kind of a relief to not uh, have the daunting task of an hour and 47 minute album ahead of us. Still fun, though. I loved uh, loved that recording. But Storms of Life, it's Randy Travis leaning against his truck out in front of a general store. I believe it's in Jackson County, Tennessee, and unfortunately, it is not still standing. Randy revisited the site in 2016, and the building had collapsed from mostly age, but also just general wear and tear. Does that sign say Purina Health Products? Yeah. Do we think that's the same Purina that now makes, like, dog and cat food? Almost certainly, yes. Mm, interesting. Let me Google it so we don't say anything false, but... Yeah, Purina Health Products only returns hits for the dog food and cat food, you know. Mm, what if you type in Purina Health Products 1986? Yeah, Purina Mills LLC is the farm animal feeds unit of Landa Lakes. It was previously a part of Ralston Purina, but the U.S. animal feeds portion was sold in 1986. Well, thanks for tuning in to Spin It, where we talk about Purina Health Products each week. Uh, tune in next week. Not a sponsor. Purina Health Products defunct Landa Lakes brand subsidiary. Not a sponsor. But if they wanted to be. You're a couple dozen years too late. <laughs> Let's get into it. The first track on this album is one of the best tracks on this album. 
on the other hand. We're kicking it off with the Connor top three. I thought we might. This, You know, as the ballad guy, I felt bad about last week throwing an identity crisis your way. I, couldn't, I can't believe you think this might be the only song you've heard off this album. Yeah, I know. Before I listened to it, I guess I just didn't know a lot of these. It's such a good song. It is. Yeah, I, I love it a lot. It's a song about a man who wants to cheat on one hand. But the wedding ring, on the other hand, reminds him of his wife and, you know, his true love, the reasons he can't go on and have a a, a love affair. It's such a fun play on words. It is. And we got to talk about Don Schlitz, okay? Don Schlitz, he's a huge figure in country music. And this is the first Don Schlitz track that we've covered. So I figured it was appropriate we give him a shout out here. He's one of country music's greatest songwriters, especially in this era. He started off in 1978. His first big hit as a songwriter was Kenny Rogers' The Gambler. Oh, okay, yeah. On the other hand, is Don Schlitz's first work for Randy Travis, but he also wrote Forever and Ever Amen. Okay. Which went on to become a number one single. Other notable Don Schlitz cuts include when You Say Nothing at All by Keith Whitley and other songs by Waylon Jennings, Alabama, the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, the Judds, Ronnie Millsap, George Strait, Garth Brooks, Reba McIntyre, the Oak Ridge Boys, Leanne Womack, plenty more. I mean, basically, he wrote for so many country artists, especially out of this era, it's hard to believe. He was even commissioned by George H.W. Bush to write a theme song for his Points of Light program, which Randy Travis sang. That's cool. How did I not find that during Factor Spin? Good thing I didn't, I guess, because you knew it. Yeah, well, you didn't find it because the mixtaper researches. Well, sometimes I sometimes I work with the mixtaper to help him out when he's busy. Oh, okay. I see. I understand. Don Schlitz also has two Grammys and is in the Songwriters Hall of Fame and the Country Music Hall of Fame as well. So... So that ends our little Don Schlitz tangent, but he's such a prolific songwriter. We had to give him a little shout out here. We haven't had a good spin of tangent in a while. No, except for right now. I don't know whether on the other hand is a sweet song or not, because he's like pretty far along considering cheating on his wife, right? I know. He's honestly kind of already kind of (laughs) happened, in my opinion. He's already, you know, emotionally invested in this other relationship. And he's like, I mean, he's definitely cheated, right? Because in verse two, he says, and when I first kissed your lips, I felt so alive. So yeah, he's cheated. Oh, no, you're right. That that ship has sailed. But yeah, but on the other hand, uh, the other ship is still at the harbor, I guess. Yeah. I think it's a. I think it's not a sweet song. I think it's just supposed to be a. I'm gonna call it down to earth song. Like it's supposed to be a song that anyone who's ever been in a situation like this can identify with. I guess this idea of not feeling alive. I I, I don't know. I, a lot of this album to me is very nitty gritty. I guess. Um, it's a, a bit of a heartbroken album. That's a running theme on the album. Overall, I mean, yeah, top three, easy on this album it hurts the album to start with this song in a way because the rest of it has to live up to this quality honestly i think it does for quite a while you know the next song is the title track the storms of life and it maintains a pretty high bar problem is not as high like it's it's one of those bittersweet things like yeah it's a great song but when compared to the one before it doesn't quite live up and it and like that can impact your feelings on this one a little bit when you're like, yeah, but that last one was like on a in a league of its own, you know? Yeah, that's true. It's not that the next song isn't good quality or have a high bar. It's just not as high as on the other hand. Right, but still a good song. I like it a lot. The first verse always throws me for a little bit of a loop. Really? He talks about his old Ford. He talks about a six pack on the front seat and a box of chicken wings. And he's listening for a song he likes on the radio. And then the chorus is like, I better change my wandering ways. I've seen better days. I was like, is that really wandering ways? Just like eating fried chicken and listening to the radio? Or it doesn't sound very wandering to me. Yeah, because, well, a lot, I think it's supposed to be like he's on the road all the time, right? And so 
Like he's like the fact that it says Montgomery Ward on it, like Montgomery Ward, right? Uh, for any, I don't know if you know this, some of the audience might not. I do. I okay. Well, well, I did a double check before the episode just to you know be sure. By all means, go ahead. Well, Montgomery Ward is a now defunct mail order and department store chain. The original one went out of business in two thousand one, but there's still like e-commerce stuff that they do where they'll send you stuff. It's like Sears, right? We talked about Sears in our Billy Joel episode. It's basically that. And so the fact that that's written on a piece of cardboard on taped to his window, I think he's meant to be working for Montgomery Ward, and so he's just on the road all the time, traveling, you know, driving. Oh. And so that's his wandering ways. He's sad that he's always out, just living life. He's talking about how he left his soul out in the rain, you know. He never really settled down, maybe. Because a six-pack in the front seat, a box of chicken wings is no fine meal, you know? No, but I don't know. I wouldn't like, maybe it's just me. I, I feel like that's not a, a super low point for me. He knows he's seen his better days. He's getting older. He's ready to settle down maybe he needs to i do love that line in the chorus right i left my soul out in the rain lord what a price i've had to pay the storms of life are washing me away that's such a cool metaphor and a fitting theme for the album because so many of these songs are just about the hardships you go through the cloudy days the tough parts of life and you know leaving your soul out in the rain what an image you just feel drenched and sad like it's tough out there you know yeah i love the harmonica on this one too it's another album where we have great harmonica it's sneaky and kind of in the background it's not the only one with a harmonica on the album but it's a good one and i love the way they fine-tune that choir of background vocals behind him they've perfectly set that in there it's not too much it's not too little yeah the guitar rhythms and those instrumental chords are just so they, they build perfectly it's a very well constructed song and it's nice i i do think verse two you know verse one seems a little out of the you know, main thread of things. But verse two brings it right back, talking about his, you know, old barn with the tobacco sign fading in it and the sweet memories of Mama's Farm. And he talks about the girl that almost had him turned around, but that was years ago. So it kind of gets more reminiscent, which makes the chorus where he wishes, you know, for better days, it makes that stand out in the way that it's meant to. Mm -hmm. The next song is one of my personal favorites. My heart cracked, but it did not break. Yeah, I like it a lot. It's a good one. It didn't quite make top three, but it's a good one. Yeah. And it kind of feels like the opposite of leaving your soul out in the rain, <laughs> right? Getting washed away by the storms of life. It's like saying the storms of life have weathered me, but I haven't quite been washed away. I've still bounced back. Yeah, it's like a continuation of the thought, right? It's like, you know, the storms of life have hit you and done its damage, but you're still there. You still have time. Yeah. And I think this is one of my favorites because, first of all, that lead-in is great. But second of all, it's just got that old country feel to it. It does the vocal slides he does with his voice. Yeah. Remember we talked about Hank, Lefty Frizzell? You know, the people that pioneered that that vocal slide. Classic country. Almost certainly. Yeah. And the instrumental riff that they do after the chorus. Mwah. Chef's kiss. Spin it kiss. Podcast kiss. Click clack kiss. Click clack Smooch. Click clack smooch. Yeah, it's like click clack moo, but but smoochier. Basically, this song is his ex spreading lies about how the breakup went down, but he's here to reassure us that he's all right. He says, I can't deny the hurt was deep, but then he goes on to say, I'm telling you, get one thing straight. My heart cracked, but it did not break. I'm still standing. Oh, wait, wrong artist. <laughs> Same idea. I do love the refrain that's the shattered dreams. That's so good. He he does it a couple of times. Shattered dreams lie everywhere. Broken promises are all we share. I just like the way that that slows down, right? The, the music is still going behind it, but he takes that moment to kind of pull back and hold out. Dreams lie everywhere. Like he holds things out a little longer and 
that change is really good. And the fiddle in this one is just the icing on the cake. It's so bright and so clean. Yes. This is a top tier fiddle track if you're looking for one. Uh, if you're a big fan of the fiddle, maybe add this one to the rotation. And I mean, the last note I have on this song is I love the way that he jumps his vocal up on the word did every time. My heart cracked, but it did not break. It's always such a restrained jump, I think, which shows off a really cool dynamic ability in his vocals that not everybody could execute the same way that he does. It's kind of what makes him so unique as a singer and why he wins so many awards for being a good singer. Yeah. Track four is another one. This album starts so strong for me. Digging up bones. Next top three. And it's the next one I know. Yep. Yep. It's a really good one. It's another one that's very like heavily steeped in metaphor because that's the whole thing of it is he's like an archaeologist, but instead of digging up actual bones he's digging up all the remnants of his past relationship it's another one that has a very interesting metaphor going on with it right this idea that because and he kind of lays it out later on in the song when he uh gets to the part about resurrecting memories but digging up bones that's what that is like he's digging up the memories digging up the past right not only that but like stuff that's been buried stuff that he's already dealt with and put away and supposedly buried he's just uh digging it back up yeah And he perpetuates that by saying, I dug your picture out from my dresser drawer. Like, he's not really literally digging, but that's the image that it calls to mind. I will say on this one, the first set of rhymes um, in each verse always feel way weaker to me compared to the Bones rhyme. Like, he rhymes Don with Bones, but the way he pronounces Bones, it works perfectly as a slant rhyme. But, like, four and drawer just felt really weak to me. Rings and fling felt weak, you know? Whoa! No, I love that line. I, you know, I love love that i put my wedding ring on my finger and i gave yours a fling because what an what an image i like the line i don't like the rhyme to rings on the line before it i, I feel like the, the rhyme is weaker no i love it i wouldn't i wouldn't change a thing about the ring fling the line itself is great and what it's saying is great it just it hits me wrong i gave your wedding ring a fling across the lonely bedroom of our recent broken home yeah it's a great line great imagery It's all great. It's just the execution of the rhyme hit me wrong compared to what comes right after it. The other thing I love too, I mean, the chorus is a little lyrically lighter, right? Digging up bones, digging up bones. But then he says, I'm exhuming things that's better left alone. I'm resurrecting memories of a love that's dead and gone. I just... The, the word exhuming is really what gets me going there because it's so good. That's a really bold choice and it pays off immensely. It's and the backup. This is the one that the backup choir for me was top notch. Oh, yeah, it's another one. And if you're looking for Dobro, if you're the Dobro type, this song is a great place to find some really, really good Dobro parts. Should we tell the audience what a Dobro is? <laughs> Does that mean, should I tell you what a dobro is? I assume it's an instrument, but... Well, yes. A dobro is like a hollow body guitar, but it's usually played with a slide, um, which, a slide, if you don't know, it works like a mobile fret. It's just a little tube that you put on your finger. And what's a fret? So let's just really go down this uh, rabbit hole of what's what. Yeah, a fret is a little, one of the little rectangular sections on the neck of the guitar. You push on it to make the tone different. So by getting rid of those, you replace it with a slide, And that makes the tone way more wobbly and like more free flowing. And then a dobro is like a slide? A dobro is an instrument that you would play with a slide. Gotcha. It's common in a lot of country music, a lot of southern rock. Leonard Skinner talks about the dobro pretty uh, at length in their song, The Ballad of Curtis Lowe. Do some research into it. It's, it's a cool instrument, and I really like the way it sounds. But you can hear it in this. All I could think about when you said it was how great of a pizza shop name that would be dobros dobros pizza the dobrothers yeah. <laughs> that's gotta exist right there's no way dobros doesn't exist oh yeah 
look at that. Dobros. Oh, really? Where is it? Uh, Chicago. Add it to the list. <laughs> the next song is one of the few happy moments on this album. Uh, it's not really as much of a heartbreak song. No Place Like Home is the next track. Another one I know. It's a little bit of a dip after these first four gems, right? They've set such a high bar, you know, as these really, really good songs. I think No Place Like Home kind of takes a backseat on this album for me. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would call this... I would agree. I mean, again, on a tin track thing, my top four is really my upper third, right? Yeah, and then some. Your upper third and change. I guess this has to be by default a middle tier to lower tier track. I like it, though. Uh, I like the sliding instrumentals on this one as they kind of just slide around. Yeah. But what really gets this one for me, and it gets better, those first two lines are a bit on the slow side for me. The first two lines? I don't know what it is, because the whole song is slower, but... Just specifically, those first two lines feel a bit like they take too long to say what they want to say. Well, I guess they do because he just speaks them. There's my easy chair just sitting there. Like it's so um, dragged out, but I guess that's how you would speak it, right? It makes it feel a little more personal and a little less performative. And then that, ri- but the rise into verse two, like from the chorus where they say there's no place like home and rise up into from the bedroom. I, I, thought, it, I thought it landed well. I, this song is just so reminiscent. I really like that. You know, I love that picture on the wall. I love this. I love that. All my favorite times in life I've spent right here i like that sentiment a lot i also like that the song ends on a verse with just a small little outro refrain of the there's no place like home you know a lot of songs especially nowadays just like let's slam you little like two or three choruses right at the end and then fade out on a chorus yeah that was definitely not the way to do it in 1986 country music yeah and i appreciate it yeah i think this song is where i started to you know really click into how storms of life is a great title and metaphor for the album right? Because all these songs are life, just all compiled together in the the good things and the bad things. You know, storms can be beautiful and stuff, but they could also be dangerous and, you know, a bummer. I don't know. All, all the different aspects of a storm happens in life, and this song really illustrates that pretty well. We talked about how it kind of loses a little bit of its punch when you realize he didn't write all of these songs, but I do think it's almost equally impressive that he compiled such a collection of songs that sound similar enough and are thematically similar enough to make an album that follows that thread so closely. Mm-hmm. I think No Place Like Home also might be my second least favorite drum sound on the album, and it is also kind of weird to me that he refers to his own eyes as baby blues. It's a little strange. What? What's wrong with that? Why? <laughs> I feel like normally that's the thing you say about someone else. Oh, look at your baby blue eyes. But he's like, look at my baby blue eyes. <laughs> like, it seems a little too much like a term of endearment, I guess. And he just like applies it to himself and it just kind of hit me strange. I was like, that's that's bizarre. The next song on the album is 1982. Today, if you were to write a song that, you know, followed the same time frame, you would write a song You're called like 2018. 2018. I know. <laughs> that's, just for perspective, the amount of time it's that we're dealing with here. Uh, this is another one I know, and it's the next and I guess last Connor Top 3. Oh, an interesting choice. Really? I like this song a lot. I probably would not have guessed you'd put this in your Top 3, to be honest. Really? I like this one a lot. This song is basically Randy trying to connect with people in his past so he can apologize for his mistakes. Like, verse one is set up like it's a phone call, and he's talking to the operator. And then verse two, he talks about uh, speaking with a post officer, right? He's trying to send a, a package or a letter back to 1982. I, li- I think the thing about this song that's really great is if you ignore the fact it was written in 1986, <laughs> and, like, the farther away you get from 1982, the better it gets, I think. Sure, I guess, yeah. Because, like, again, 1982 is only four years out, uh, or four years away from when the, the album came out. 
right? And so it's like, you're not really looking that far into the past, but like, imagine now singing about wishing you could connect with 1982, right? Like, the amount of time that's passed, it's way more deeper regret and sentiment. And yeah, that's got to be some really intense regret. Right. It just feels like it, the song becomes more powerful as we get farther away from 1982. And I mean, I love the line, they say hindsight's 2020, but I'm nearly going blind. What a great. And then he says, from staring at her photograph and wishing she was mine. And I was like, well, that's a little less great, but you know, okay. And if you're looking for a cool instrument to hone in on for this track, the steel guitar is impeccable. Steel guitar. Maybe that's why I like it so much. I'm a big fan of the steel guitar. What fan of this era of country music isn't? That's fair. I don't know how you could, I don't know how you could hate the steel guitar and be like, yeah, but I love 80s country. It's just not possible. The next track on the album is Send My Body. Do you remember on our episode about Hank Williams, episode 12, do you remember when I said that country music has a surprising amount of jail and train songs? Yeah. Well, here's another jail and train song for you. Now I know what it is. Yeah, Send My Body is about a guy who's not guilty, but sentenced to hang for his, well, he claims he's not guilty. We don't really know. He's kind of an unreliable narrator, but he's sentenced to hang for this crime that's been committed. And, uh, you know, that's what he talks about throughout the song. He's like, they have to hang somebody and it's looking like I'm going to be the one. And so he says, when you do it, send my body home on a freight train so that everyone can see me when I pass and so that I can get buried under mama's apple tree in my old backyard. Send my body back to my hometown is the whole hook of it. It's kind of an upbeat and happy song about a sad thing because the happy ending is getting to go back home and reunite with his mom and, and be buried. No place like home. No place. You know what? That's what they say. Yeah, there's no place like home. This song felt like it would play in an old timey saloon. Got old timey saloon vibes. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Like like honky tonk style. This is a very honky tonky song. Also, I just need a point of clarity here. The last line of the chorus. I feel backwards from a logistical standpoint to you. Yeah, I've thought about that too. He ends by saying, just see they bury me out by mama's apple tree and send my body back to my hometown. Like, you should do in the opposite order, right? You gotta yes. send the body back to the hometown before you can bury me out by mama's apple tree. Yeah, but I don't think the chorus lands the same if you switch them around. So, I mean, I'm okay with it. You have to make the exception. I mean, I agree. I'm just saying logistically, it feels wrong. Well, unless you dig up bones. Oh, well, digging up bones. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Mama's apple tree actually isn't in his hometown. It's in a different town that Mama moved to. So you got to go bury him by Mama's apple tree, dig up the bones, and then take him back to the hometown. Uh, it's all coming together. This song is another killer harmonica moment as well. This is another one that I highlighted for its harmonica uh, prevalence. I feel like every song, like there should be a law that says every song has to incorporate a harmonica somewhat. You absolutely, like that sounds like a good idea now and you'd hate it after 45 minutes of, of listening to music that only had harmonicas. I just think of all the different, they don't have to, har, they don't have to feature it prevalently, like you know, it doesn't have to be a prevalent feature. Oh, just a slight harmonica. Just imagine all the fun, unique ways you could find a way to put a harmonica in your song. We should, we should get Spin It branded harmonicas and sell them <laughs> send it to the merch department great idea coming soon to a store near you spinning harmonicas we're not promising that i'm promising it <laughs> maybe not but that's all i have to say about send my body it's an upbeat song it's a very catchy song and i like it i do too you've hit your three top threes we haven't given a, a honorable mention yet have we no honorable mention not yet okay okay 
The next track is another really honky tonkin type track, "Messing with My Mind." It's got another. It's like a boot scootin' boogie. I'm gonna be on, I'm gonna be honest with you, James. I'm really expecting instruments in production to get a perfect hundred or darn close to it. A perfect. I don't. I don't give many perfect hundreds. You've given perfect one hundreds to categories before. Better be darn close because the instruments are just so good. The instruments are fine. The instruments are fine and dandy. We'll get to it when we get to it. But they do really a great job of the of the country music sound. It's captured very very. Very well and I actually my first note on messing with my mind is he's got such a good band on this record they really do kill the guitar every time my second note was the dobro on this one is fantastic as well and another note of mine says there's like an electric keyboard that I can hear in the background I think I think it's an electric keyboard but it gave the song a really interesting tone it was a little more airy well you know there's that instrumental break in this song what instrument is happening during the instrumental break the instrument on this song is the clarinet is that the clarinet okay I got clarinet vibes again my sister played the clarinet and i was like i'm getting clarinet vibes from this but that feels like a weird choice so oh yeah oh yeah it's not often you get a clarinet in country music at all (laughs) on a classic country song it's a bold choice but i think it's a great one here it is C perfect 100. It is a good choice to put this clarinet in. I think the clarinet is a fantastic instrument. I mean, it's an all right instrument, but it's great here. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, B tier instrument, A tier inclusion on this song. I love the the sentiment behind this one too. It, it kind of talks about, you know, in the storms of life, he was a man with wandering ways. And this song kind of starts off by detailing that that was his intention. He had, you know, a desire to keep moving. This town was just a place to play. You were another way for me to pass some time. But then you started messing with my mind getting in my head i started falling for you and now i'm gonna stay you know i've changed my my wandering ways and i've become the kind of guy who says no place like home it's another convergence point of a lot of these different themes that we've talked about yeah this is another lower tier song for me yeah it's all right like i said none of these songs are bad I'd listen to any of these if somebody started playing them but compared to your on the other hands and digging up bones this is it just it, it just is there it's here yeah and I think it's good in its own right, but it's... It's here? It's messing with my mind. I mean, I I agree. It's just there. It's a good song, but it does kind of get dwarfed by some of the bigger four or five songs on this album. It's a little fish in a big pond. Or a big fish. We're back on this. We did this before and it didn't work. We'll leave it alone. I don't remember when we did it before, but I do remember already having fish issues. I don't remember. I Was it... Was it was it Fleetwood Mac? Oh, you're right. I think it was. Yeah, I think we determined it was a it was a medium sized fish in a big pond. Had it been in a smaller pond, it would have looked like a bigger fish. Yeah, but in a in a bigger pond, it would have just been a normal sized fish. Yeah. You know what is a decently sized fish in this big pond? Reasons I cheat. It gets honorable mention. Interesting. Really? Um. Yeah. I I don't know how I feel about this one either. I think I think I like it. This is a song that teeters on the edge for me between not knowing how I feel about it. It feels like a flip side to On the Other Hand because it is. It feels like what he would be telling his wife when she finds out he kissed this girl and considered cheating. He's like, well, here's all the reasons I considered it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Here's why. So it's another song I know as well, and so maybe there's some bias coming in, but... Possible. What it's really got going for for it is on that chorus. The way that chorus just steadily rises. Yeah. And it, I mean... It'll maybe fall like a half step or a step, but it never really falls. It just rises from start to end all the way up. It's fantastic. I love it. It gets kind of mentioned specifically because of that. That's really what put it up into kind of mentioned territory. Yeah, it's a sad song and it sounds sad. Like, rip your heart out sad. To hear what a low point he's hit with all these aspects that he's describing of the reasons he cheats. We've had, you know, the sad songs that sound happy. 
the happy songs that sound sad. This is one that really like fits the mold. I think it's clever because he starts listing these bad things that are more storms of life. The bad boss, the long work days, and coming home to a woman who he's not feeling the spark with, right? Too demanding, not understanding. That's the first half of it. And then in the second verse, he kind of does a little bit of a pivot and he goes to talking about some of the more exciting, the newer things that he's finding with this other woman. His pride is soothed. She knows him. She's got a sweet smile. So like we've got the bad reasons he cheats and then I don't mean to call him the good reasons he cheats because there's not really, but you know, all the positive aspects of the new woman. The positive aspects of a new relationship, exactly. And I like it. I guess I like it too. I think I'm going to firmly land the teeter between liking it and not liking it on. I like it, but I don't think I would give it a Conorable mention from me. Well, good thing you're not giving Conorable mentions. Props to Randy Travis for writing this song. Now, yeah, is where it gets concerning, you know? It's like, hang on now. (laughs) He could just tell his wife, yeah, I wrote, I sang some other guy's song. On the other hand, Don Schlitz wrote that. It's fine. And she could be like, okay, but this one, I mean, what are you going to say? Last track, we're already here. Yes, we are already on the last track. The last song on this album, track 10, is There'll Always Be a Honky Tonk Somewhere, which is just what it sounds like. No matter what happens in the future, there'll be a honky tonk. You love to see it. Last song, last song I know as well. Again, I just really wanted to hammer how much of this album I knew and you didn't. That doesn't happen very often, where you pick an album that I'm more familiar with. I know. (laughs) When you're not, you, you were more familiar with it before this podcast. I mean, I've still listened to it for three years, and I know it. But yeah, I honestly can't wait till we get to 2083 just to see how correct he was. I was going to say he makes some bold predictions. Which one seems the most ludicrous to you now that we're like a third of the way closer to 2083 than we were in 1986? Probably the lack of video games. I feel like that's probably not going to go away. They're just going to get more insane. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I would put my vote for cars or video games that aren't really going away. I mean, 1986, he's got like the Atari, right? And I can understand not totally seeing the potential for the longevity of that. But nowadays, it seems almost impossible to think that they'd go away by 2083. Uh, Which Super Bowl would be the 2083 Super Bowl? I don't even know which one we're on now. Somewhere in the 50s right now. And the sad news is Tom Brady will not be playing in the 2083 Super Bowl. What if he was? (laughs) He's just retired. But what if he was? You think Randy Travis saw that coming? Uh, What if he came out of retirement? If Tom Brady came out of retirement in 2083 to win the Super Bowl. (laughs) Just to show he could still do it. Yeah. What I'll say about this song is that I hate, 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 hate the drum sound on this one. Really? Boy, is that a bad taste in my mouth. Yes, it's so not with it. It's it's an outlier from the rest of this album. I don't remember it being that bad. It, it didn't stand out to me as being bad. It sticks out like a sore thumb. It sounds like, you know, like almost like Alabama, right? Alabama does some songs that have some really atrocious drums. This is kind of like that. So this is the reason you're not going to give it a perfect 100. It certainly takes a ding for that, yeah. But the lyrics I do love. There will always be a place for people to go and get sad and listen to music. You know, these are the kinds of people that will always frequent a place like this. That's great. I do think it's... What if he got it completely backwards? What if Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl in 2083 and we still have cars, trains, and video games and there, but there is no honky-tonks or factories on the moon or farms out in space? Like... Everything he predicted was 100% backwards. Um, I mean, that'd be a bummer. I do think farming in space is a weird choice to include, but it pays off absolutely massively with the rhyme after it. One of the best lines on the song and on the album is, it seems there's nothing here on Earth that something won't replace. I really like that one. And it needs that space before it to rhyme. So I'll take it. I think it's musically kind of a weaker end to the album because it's so far out of character sonically for what the rest of the record has been. It kind of feels like a curtain call. 
right? I think Reasons I Cheat would have been the great one to end it on because you started off with the cheating song and ended it. Yeah, exactly. And there will always be a honky-tonk somewhere. feels like, I guess, we've talked about this before, that feels like the song that would be playing as the credits roll. What? That brings us to Final Spin. Final Spin, the highly anticipated Final Spin for... Storms of Life by Randy Travis. I think the songs for the playlist, I mean, one's got to be on the other hand. Yeah. What are you thinking for the other one? I would love to either put the Storms of Life or Digging Up Bones. I'm personally uh, thinking Digging Up Bones. Okay. Well, that seems like the way we'll go. Those will be added to Immortalized, Enshrined in the Spin It Favorite Songs playlist. Let's get into scores. Music on this album. This is a little bit of a... It's a little more advanced, but at its core, it feels a little bit closer to the three chords in the truth country music that we talked about on Hank Williams, right? It's not necessarily as adventurous with its chord progressions, but he does a great job at making each of these melodies unique. Well, but then when something falls outside that common thread, like there'll always be a honky tonk somewhere, it really kind of starts to dip a little bit. Mostly though, I think musically it's very strong. Randy Travis has a great voice. Uh, He sings everything well. All these melodies fit the words perfectly. Rhythmically, seems pretty flawless to me. Given music in 86. Lyrics. I mean, it's hard to deny that there are some great lyrics on this album i love the sentimentality behind all of these images that he puts before us you know his children growing up and there's my easy chair and my old house and the wedding ring getting flung across the bedroom of our recent broken home i think there's a lot to love lyrically about this album because he really does a great job of making you understand the ways that the storms of life have weathered on him that they've kind of worn him down and it's a shame that he didn't write most of these songs but I mean, what that means is he's able to pick and choose exactly the best songs that got set before him to a certain extent. I think everything on this album lyrically is done pretty darn well. So I'm giving lyrics to 91. Oh, okay. Lyrics higher than music. Now for the big one, instruments in production. Yeah. So the thing about that, like we talked about, the instruments are fantastic, right? The the places that they use steel guitars and dobros and even clarinets, it's pretty great. And harmonicas harmonicas too yeah can't forget the harmonica the problem is i don't know like we said there's the two songs that i don't love with the drums right there'll always be a honky tonk somewhere and no place like home there's some spots where the instruments kind of sound a little off or weird and i think the production is fine you know it's i guess gold standard 1986 country music but i don't think it's anything that really blows me away and i think by the end of the album i think by the end of the album from a production standpoint it feels a little played out and samey just a smidge I mean, that's by the end of all 10 tracks listened to at once. But, I mean, that's the way a collection like this was meant to be consumed. I'm giving it a 79. Really? Oh my god. Not even in in the 80s. It's close. It's Kiss in the 80s. So a little lower than anticipated, maybe. But, again, there's only so much you can do with 80s country music. I think it's about as good as it could be, but I think there's just a cap on how, you know, how good it could be. You heard it here, folks. 80s country music, you can't beat a 79. No, I mean, yeah, you know, there's a lot of music to compete with out there. But in terms of vibe, I'm putting vibe at a pretty solid 85. I mean, we've kind of beat that horse to death over the course of the episode, so I feel like we don't need to hammer it home anymore, but that's uh, that's where vibe's gonna land. What's that give us? I'm gonna run it by the squirrels, and the squirrels have told me that the overall average, minus a bonus point for being written by Randy Travis, because it wasn't, is an 86.6. 86.6, and that puts it where, like the mid hundreds spot on it's number 156 at the moment oh nice now here's a fun little thought experiment if you added the one bonus point what would that shove it up to like 
ranking was? Great question. If I changed the score from an 86.6 to an 87.6, that would put it right around number 130. So it would jump almost a little over 20 places. Yeah. Shows how important it is to write your own music. <sighs> bonus point matters. The bonus point... Yeah, it would make a, a bit of a difference in this case. I think I think tw- I think twenty is a significant jump. It is, but that's that's where I land. Eighty six point six. How about you? Uh, well, I'm just gonna quickly list off my top three, which are in album order. On the other hand, digging up bones, nineteen eighty two, with a honorable mention going to reasons I cheat and use the rest of my time to express my deep hatred for your instruments and production score. I mean, I understand. <laughs> uh. I think it's the biggest disappointment in your score that I've had since Miley Cyrus. Well, but it's only a small piece of my score. I mean, number 156 is no slouch of an album. I'm going to I'm going to disagree majorly. I think the the range of different instrumentations, you talk about how there's not much you can do with classic country, yet he does do crazy things with classic country using that clarinet you know, putting in that electric sounding piano in the background, just the variety of different instruments and the ways he plays them. Uh, they all work together. The, I, the, the instrumental rises and chords complement the music pretty much everywhere. I don't remember the drums sticking out at all on any of the songs, but I mean, you've listened to it more than me. Well, give it, when, when you give it another pass, just take a listen for those drums and just kind of feel how out of place and heavy handed they are compared to the rest of the album. I will. And so I just want to go on the record. Uh, Randy Travis, if you're listening to this, I think your instrumentations were top notch and deserve pretty darn close to a perfect hundred. So I'm giving the album a four, he says. (laughs) (laughs) With that in mind. Overall, yeah, I like this album. I'm a big fan of classic country music. When it comes to score, I have to be careful not to... What bias, you know, put me in a, in a weird situation here where something like, you know, I've, I've always said I don't feel like Kings of Leon Walls really deserves the eight it has. And like, I think my beautiful Dark Twist Fantasy deserves lower than a five, things like that. I've let bias influence my scores in the past. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, you hate to let that happen again. Oh, yeah. And so where, while the the initial gut reaction is to just shove this one into the nines, when looking at what else is on my nines, I think if I set, set stand back objectively, I know it really needs to be an eight. It's going to go, I think, top of the eights. It's going to it's gonna end up bump inside me's dream out of the top of the eight slot, and it's going to go top of the eights. As for a unit, I'm going to give this one eight click click clacks out of 10 for me eight click clacks fantastic you know maybe um maybe you want to change that unit after we watch the movie if it <laughs> movie if it stinks it, it can't be that awful it's only seven minutes how awful can it be i mean we could watch some pretty awful seven minute movies it's got Randy travis in it it's gonna be great okay i like it uh click clack 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 that eight i didn't count i didn't count either we can edit it so it's eight that's really 16 total right because you got eight clicks and eight clacks eight for, clicks for oh, lump sum of 16 <laughs> yeah you could rank it clicks and clacks well i guess that brings us to the end of another exciting episode of spin it We've made it through the storms of the storms of life. I like this episode. I like Randy Travis. I think we hit on a lot of good stuff. I can't believe you gave the man you served ribs to 79 for instruments in production. Well, I give him 100 on his taste in ribs. He made a good choice. What percentage is that worth on your score? Um, zero. It's, it's a non-factor. But maybe next time. Now that we've got the ranking list caught up on the backlog, I have been meaning to find a way to rank and score artists based on how well their albums perform on the list. Maybe rib taste will factor into that. (laughs) How many do you totally have ranked now? Right now, the list uh, that I'm adding to every month is currently at 
512. You're getting at least 512 episodes to spend it. At least, yeah. <laughs> and counting every single month we add more. We'll, we'll theoretically never catch up. Either way, uh, like, subscribe, heart react, all the things, social media, go. Heck yeah. If you want more Spin It content, more music content, be sure to check us out at Spin It Pod Official on Instagram and at Spin It Pod on Twitter. Visit our website, www.spinitpod.com, for all the latest updates and information, all of our past episodes, all of our future episodes, this episode, everything. We'll be back next week with a trend breaking episode where we will not be doing a 1996 album about life. What I'll say is next week is another listener recommended episode. If you recommended music, tune in next week and see if it's yours. And if you have any music recommendations, and- and you didn't recommend the music for next week, send us your recommendations and maybe we'll do them. Maybe we won't, but maybe we will. Maybe we'll just throw them in the trash and pretend like we never saw them. Have a great week. Weather those storms of life. Eat your fried chicken and put your six packs on the front seat. We'll see you next week. And until then, keep spinning. Keep spinning. So the new squirrel hires started this week. Oh, great. We have new squirrel hires. How are they doing? Yeah, well, you know, last week, last week we uh, went through the applications for the first week. I'll have to talk to SR about this. That's our squirrel resources. Oh. <laughs>